Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, all right. It's going to be a little bit excited. Nothing wrong with that. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. Hope you had a great week and a great weekend as well. If you haven't met, my name is Chris. I have the privilege of serving as the senior pastor here at BT Church and the honor of taking us into God's Word today. Uh, speaking of that, why don't you get your Bible, physical, digital, whatever you've got with you, and meet me in Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, while you turn there, let me talk about a few things. We at BT Church believe in a culture of celebration. We, we believe that you, uh, you, you practice the disciplines you want to get good at, because if you don't, then you're not going to be good at them, and we want to be good at celebrating. So let me celebrate a few things. We've already done this once, but let's celebrate our VIPs today, our first-time guests in the room and online. Make some noise for VIPs today. While you do that, continue that for our BT Online family, glad that you're watching with us today. And then listen to this. This is really what we want to celebrate. So far this calendar year, over 250 people have crossed over from death to life saying yes to Jesus, receiving him as their personal Savior and Lord. We celebrate spiritual decisions like that. We also celebrate that over 150 people have been obedient uh, in baptism, believer's baptism, taking that decision to trust Jesus and making it public. And then this is pretty exciting. In the last 30 days, we've had 63 people become family members here at BT, taking our First Steps membership class and stepping into the family. And so we celebrate all you new members that might be in this room. If you've been coming for a little while, you're like, hey, I think I would like to be a member. I don't know what that means, but I'm interested in it. Uh, we'll be offering another class. It's called First Steps, and we'll be talking about it soon. It'll be offered in September. Uh, and what we do is we either do a Wednesday night format for Wednesday nights, provide dinner and everything, or we do a weekend format. The next class uh, will be a Wednesday night format. So would love for you to be a part of our First Steps class. And again, so thankful to have our new members at all of our campuses today. Uh, well, today is a great day to be at church, amen? Yeah. You passed the test, good job. Every day is a great day to be at church, but, but this is why today is like really a great day, because today is the first Sunday of a brand new sermon series. I get excited first Sunday of new sermon series, I just like it. And, and so here's, but, but there is some fine print, there's a catch. Because you made it to the first day, that means you're required to come every Sunday of the series. Uh, yep. So this series is short. It's only uh, 84 weeks long. So we'll see you for the only five weeks. Come on, you can do it. Um, if you're watching online, love to have you join us next week if you're in the area. But we've, we're starting a five-week series, and the name of the series, as you saw in the video, is Operation, right? And uh, we want to have some fun with it. You may have noticed on your way in, there are some old-school Operation board games out in the atrium, and you're welcome to stop by there and test your wits, see if maybe you should have been a surgeon instead of whatever it is that uh, you, which, let me just clarify, if you can play the game, doesn't mean you should be a surgeon. But anyways, um, but what we're talking about in the series is, is the fact that sometimes in our lives, we need God to do a work from the inside out so we can experience hope and healing, hope and healing from the inside out. And sometimes we need some surgeries uh, from the great physician, God, so that we can follow him more closely and experience his blessings more fully. And I don't know about you, but I want to follow God more closely and I want to know his blessings more fully. Anybody else with me on that one? You want to follow him more closely and know his blessings more fully? Amen. So throughout the series, we're going to talk about different parts of the body that are referenced in scripture and the roles they play in our spiritual life. So you got to kind of disconnect from the, the physical body part and, and make it a spiritual concept. And so today we're starting with the most critical part of the body, and that is the heart. 
We're going to talk about the heart, and we're going to look at uh, why the heart is so critical and how we can understand the necessity of allowing God to do a work in our hearts from the inside out. So today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 20 to 27. This is what the text says today. It says, My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. For they are life for those who find them and health to one's whole body. Right there, we've we've talked about, it says pay attention. That's talking about using your mind. Listen closely, use your ears. Don't lose sight of them. Use your eyes and keep them within your heart, right? Verse 23, which is really the foundation for our message today, says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source. Some translations say the wellspring. It is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead, carefully consider the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left and keep your feet away from evil. Right there in the middle of this passage, verse 23, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. You know, the scripture mentions the phrase, the heart, over six times hundred times. Over 600 times, that phrase, the heart, is mentioned. 97 of those over 600 are right here in the book of Proverbs. What does that mean? It means the heart's a big deal. Now, now let me clarify. You probably understand this, but just for clarity, I'm not talking about the organ that pumps blood, right? That, that's super important also, by the way. That's a, that's a whole nother talk, cholesterol and all that stuff, but that's not today. I'm talking about the heart that the scripture speaks of. And you know, many times today when we think of the heart, we think of feelings and emotions. And when we think of the mind, we think of reason and rationalization. You know, there's actually a reason why we think that way. The reason why we think the heart is feeling and emotion and the mind is reason and rationalization is we actually get that, check it out, from the ancient Greeks. That whole concept was developed by the ancient Greeks and the philosophers, and we call that anthropological dualism. Ooh. And we call that anthropological dualism. Ooh, yeah. All right. It's really not. Right. Anthropological, it deals with humanity, man, right, mankind, dualism, more than one. And in Greek philosophical thought, the heart and the mind were, were distinctly separate and, and, and completely apart from each other. My argument is not that they're the same. The heart and the mind are indeed different. What I want to tell you about today is that I think the heart is much more than we think it is, though. You see, those over 600 passages that speak of the heart, they, they speak of the heart intellectually, that the heart understands. And they they speak of the heart emotionally, the heart feels. And they speak of the heart volitionally, the heart directs and guides and leads. And they speak of the heart morally, the heart discerns right and wrong. Translation, a wise person will pay attention to his or her heart. A wise person will pay attention to his or her heart. You know, today society has some thoughts about the heart, right? Culture will say, follow your heart or pursue what makes your heart happy. 
Many times those statements of follow your heart or pursue what makes your heart happy, those are connected to maybe accumulating more wealth and possessions or pursuing a meaningful relationship or multiple meaningful relationships or succeeding in your ambitions and your dreams. And let me say this today, uh, wealth and possessions aren't evil, relationships aren't evil, and ambitions aren't evil. They're just not God. And here's the reality, if following your heart and pursuing what makes your heart happy means achieving more wealth and, 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 and attaining a relationship and, and, achi- and achieving a status, if that is actually what would make the heart happy, then we wouldn't hear all the stories we hear of people that have attained wealth, that have attained relationships, that have uh, reached their dreams, and yet they are still empty. Why are so many people empty despite seemingly filling all of those slots? You know why? Because you cannot build your life from the outside in. Life doesn't work that way. You don't bring all this outside stuff and cram it inside hoping that you will be fulfilled. You've got to get Jesus inside of you by the power of the Spirit, and then life is experienced from the inside out. And so how do we then understand the role of the heart according to the text today? Three things I'd ask you to write down. Here's the first point today. Coming from verse 23, we've got to understand the priority of the heart. We've got to understand the priority of the heart. I already mentioned the fact that it's intellectual, emotional, volitional, and moral. The the heart clearly is important. That's why in this passage where all of these very important sayings and statements are made, you get to 23 and it says, guard your heart, what? Above all else. Some translations will put above all else first and say above all else, guard your heart. You're reading here in Proverbs 4 all these statements that are extremely important and then this phrase is thrown in above all else. Stop and listen. Pay attention. Think about this. Guard your heart above all else. Beloved, today we've got to understand that there is a priority to the heart and the way it affects the mind, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, all these other things that we need God to do a work in, it's got to start with the heart. Number two, we've got to be aware of the necessary protection of the heart. Above all else, what? Guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else. Hear me today, beloved. Guarding our heart affects everything else in our lives. The way you and I will guard our hearts will affect our homes. It will affect our marriages and relationships. If you're a parent, it will affect the way that you parent your children. If you're a child, it'll affect the way that you relate with your parents. It'll affect the way you uh, uh, interact at school or at work. It will affect the way you manage your finances. It'll affect the way you manage your time. The way we guard our hearts, plain and simple, will affect every other part of our lives. So if, if we need to guard our heart above all else, I think a logical question is why. You with me? Like, why, of all these statements in, in chapter 4 uh, about paying attention to words and listen closely and don't lose sight, of all of these, why above all else guard the heart? It could be above all else, pay attention, or above all else, listen closely, but it is above all else, guard your heart. Why? Hear me, beloved, because our hearts are under attack. Our hearts are are under attack. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter tells us that we have an enemy, an adversary. 
He says to be sober-minded and be alert because our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a lion looking for anyone he can devour. You know why we need to guard our heart? Our heart, which by the way, in priority, is the, is the evidence of what's inside of us, right? You know why we need to guard it? Because it is under attack. Our enemy, the adversary, Satan, the devil, he is prowling around like a lion seeking to devour somebody. Hear me, beloved. Satan can't read your thoughts. Don't give him more credit than he needs. He cannot read your thoughts, but he's no dummy either. He can't read your thoughts, but he can watch your life. And what comes out of your life and my life, he knows is what's in our hearts. And if what's in our hearts is already bad, then he just kind of wants to make it a little more worse. Hear me today. If today at church you say amen and raise your hands and sing praises and all that good stuff, and then you leave here and the rest of your week does not reflect this, I promise you Satan's not real concerned about what you're doing in here. He'll give you 90 minutes if you give him the rest. It's when you leave here, and when you leave here, you, you, you live like something happened here. Like God's doing a work in your life, and you're protecting your heart. We've got to protect the heart because it is under attack. And hear me today, beloved, if you and I do not protect our hearts, the enemy will infiltrate it. If we don't protect our hearts, the enemy will infiltrate our hearts. He will set up camp. He will redirect our thoughts, intellectual, our feelings, emotional, our desires, volitional, and he will skew that which we think is right and wrong moral. We, we must understand the necessity to guard our hearts. There's a story in Acts chapter 5 of a couple that are pursuing God, at least in some way. And, and this couple, they sell a piece of property. And they know they're supposed to give some of the proceeds, some of the income to God. But they don't give the right amount, right? And it's not about legalism. It's about the heart. And so they, they withhold some. And the thing is, they did it secretively, like they could hide it from God. So this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell some property. They don't give to God what is rightly his. They hold it back. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter says this. He says, Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your what? Filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. You see, if we will not guard our hearts, Satan will get in it. He will infiltrate. He will redirect our thoughts, our desires. We've got to understand, again, the importance of protecting our hearts. Above all else, guard your hearts. So why? Because it's under attack. Another logical question would be how, right? If why is because we need to understand our hearts are under attack, well, then how? How do we guard our hearts? Well, like any good sport, we guard our hearts with good offense and defense. We guard our hearts with good offense and defense. Defensively, we guard our hearts from certain things, and offensively, we guard our hearts with certain things. So it is from and it is with. What do we guard our hearts from? Well, back in Proverbs chapter 4, look at verses 25 and 26. It tells us what we guard our hearts from. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward and fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet so that all your ways will be established. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Look at, look at this verse here. It says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. 
An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks from the what? Say it with me. Overflow of the heart. All right, uh, here's, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take your, your feet and scoot them under your seat. All right, scoot them under, because I'm going to step on them. Listen to me. I want, I, want to, I want to issue this statement before I continue. I want you to hear my heart. What, what I'm talking about right now is not legalism, it's wisdom. Okay? And the reason why it's not legalism is, is because I'm not going to give you a prescription, do this, don't do that, watch this, don't watch that. that. That's the Holy Spirit. If you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, and you should seek him. If you don't have Jesus, you don't need a list of do's and don'ts. You need Jesus, and we'll get to that. But sometimes the church, we, we throw the pendulum so far the other way that it's not legalism, it's wisdom we're not applying to our lives. So let me just issue, what do we guard our hearts from? Looking at these verses and verse 45 from Luke 6, that the, 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 the mouth, the life, these things, our lives display the overflow of our hearts. Let me just give you some encouragement, beloved. You and I, as Christ followers, we don't actually have to watch every next big hit Netflix series that is filled with filth. We actually don't have to do that. And and we don't actually have to watch every movie that everyone else is gonna watch when it is filled with things that are opposite of God. We don't have to listen to everything that everybody else is gonna listen to. We don't have to go everywhere that everyone else is gonna go. And we don't gotta click on everything that that everybody else is gonna click on. We, We actually don't have to do that. And it's not about legalism, it's about wisdom. Listen, I'm talking to myself. I like to watch the big hit Netflix series. I love to go to the movies, right? But somewhere along the way, if we're gonna be serious, and my fear is that the church today has dropped the importance of guarding the heart. But if we're gonna be serious about guarding the heart, we're going to monitor what we let into it. We're gonna monitor what we let into it. What is it that we're clicking on? Now, we, we automatically default, think of things like pornography. Listen, pornography is a big deal and we should avoid it. But let me just issue a challenge here. What business does, does a, a, a Christian man or woman in a faithful covenant marriage have checking out their ex on social media? Just wanna see, now listen, I mean, there are situations, right, sometimes in today's world where uh, because it's a broken world, couples go through the pain of divorce and they share kids. I, I get those things. I, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the situations where it's like, I just wonder what so-and-so's up to. You mean you wonder what so-and-so's up to? You wonder what the Holy Spirit's up to, right? <laughs> we don't got to click on it. You don't, you don't have to, and I don't have to accept every friend request. Well, what are they going to think? Maybe they'll think that you don't want to go there, right? Somewhere we have to have a filter that guards what we are letting in. Because here's the deal. We say it. I say I'm putting myself out there. Well, I can watch this and it doesn't affect me. Don't let the fact that you might can control what comes out of your heart cause you to believe it's not actually in your heart. Just because we can control it doesn't mean it's not there. Do you know when the overflow shows up? The overflow shows up when life goes sideways and and you mutter things under your breath. The overflow shows up when you're in your car by yourself and traffic shows up. 
You're like, oh man, you're just, you're just picking. No, that's the oath. That's what's in there. Just because we've learned how to control when it comes out doesn't mean it's not in. And I should and you should want to bring into our hearts the things that remove that stuff. This, this past week, let me, let, me just, let me just confess, all right? This past week, I was taking my son to a golf lesson. And uh, we, gotta, we live in Edinburgh. We got to go like to South McAllen and anyways. And, and so I, I left my I live in Edinburgh. I left my house and I got on, I was going to get on 281 to go to... Um, to the expressway, right? And, and I, this is the route I always go. I know that when 281, 83, where they meet, it's gonna be no fun. I'm prepared for that, spiritually ready. I've prayed over that interchange. <laughs> All right, just, whew. But I leave my house and I get on the access road by Canton to get on 281 and the on-ramp is closed. Listen, all the technological advances we have, brother can't get a text message, like, Text dot, just like, if you live in this area, can you not tell me? No big deal. It's okay. No problem. I'm going to go through the light with everybody else, and I'll get on at the next ramp. I don't know if you tried to do this on Thursday. Every ramp on southbound 281 was closed, leading to the expressway. I got to calm down. I'm going to start. <laughs> and I'm like, And we laugh when we've all been there, but you know what? If I would guard my heart a little more, you know what I might say? I might take a deep breath and look at my son and say, well, I guess we get a little more time in the car together. Thank God for text dot, and they're working on these roads instead of letting them fall apart. Hey, we've got a car to go somewhere in. Like, oh, that's silly. No, no, that's, that's, that's guarding my heart. And it's not letting myself fall prey to think that it doesn't matter. We have got to guard our hearts from certain things because when the pressure rises, what's inside does come out. And I don't care who you are, what you let in will affect you at some point in time. Trust the spirit to give you wisdom to discern what should be coming in. What do we guard our heart from, right? That's defense, but I played offense in high school, and I don't believe defense wins championships. I believe points do. <laughs> oh, it's about the defense. Coach, we, we got to score some touchdowns, right? That's just the way it works. And, and so, so, yes, how, how do we guard our heart? We guard our heart from things. We play some defense with the enemy. We, we apply wisdom to our lives, but we've got to guard it with some things as well. It's not just what we don't do, it's what we actively take part in. And, and what I've learned, that there is a, a, a long gone on to be with the Lord Presbyterian minister named John Flavel. And John Flavel would speak of the heart and he would talk about it like a musical instrument that had to get tuned and retuned, right? Now, I wish the moment we gave our life to Christ that everything in our lives got tuned and set and we just kind of went on autopilot, but that's not how it works, right? We've got to daily devote ourselves to the Lord. Uh, I'm no musician, but I know that if you get a guitar and you tune it and get it perfect and it's just ready to go, and, and then you, you just like, you know, play it hours on end, right? And then you store it in your car and the, the valley heat builds up. The next time you pick that thing up, guess what? It's not going to sound great. 
And you may give your life to Christ and get connected to church, but then life happens and church becomes not as important and and getting into the scripture gets harder to manage and your prayer life starts to to dwindle and you're looking at stuff you shouldn't look at and you're letting stuff in, right? You're, You're dropping your defense so then your offensive game gets off as well. And we have to understand that we have to continually retune our hearts, the old hymn would tell us that we, we, we asked the Lord to tune our hearts so that we would sing his praises, right? At some point in time, I'm convinced, this guitar was tuned. A lot of things have happened since then. Sounds nice, right? I actually could lead worship right now because the attitude guitar would match my attitude voice. Right? And so you know what happens? We stop tuning our hearts. Hey. That works with the sermon because eventually people start to notice. We stop tuning our hearts. And what does that mean? We, we, we stop guarding our hearts with the things of God. And as that begins to happen and our heart gets out of tune and we, str- we try to play melodies with our lives, but everything's a little bit off. And you know what happens when your heart gets off? Your life sounds like that. You know what happens when your life sounds like that? Your marriage sounds like that. Your finances sound like that. And then most damaging of all, your responsiveness to God. It's just a little bit off key. And when he's calling you back to himself and calling you out of the sinful patterns that are wrecking your life, the the more we don't tune our hearts to his will and his praises, the longer and the longer we go out of tune. But the good news is that like this guitar can get retuned, so can our hearts. The amazing grace of God doesn't tell us that that when we walk away from him and and when we turn our back on him and when we fill our lives with with the junk of this world, when we do that, he says, well, you had your chance, I'm done with you. No, what the scripture tells us is he never leaves us or forsakes us so that when we begin to understand, I've got to guard my heart with the things of the Lord, he welcomes us back. And so then the question is, how do I retune my heart? How do I guard my heart with those things that keep my life in melody. We guard our heart with some things. Here's one of them. You're doing it today. You guard your heart with weekly worship. Society more and more and more is devaluing this right here. And so we guard our hearts with the practice of weekly worship. And just like that guitar right now is having those tuning knobs turned on it to get each string back to the right pitch, weekly worship is one of the strings of our lives that helps us stay in tune with the Lord. We actually guard our, this is guarding your heart with the body of Christ. You know how else you guard your heart? You got another string. It's consistent community. It's that you leave here and you don't wait till the next week to get involved with the people of God. We all need each other. 
And so whether you're in a community group here at BT or you come to BT men or women on Wednesday nights or you get connected to H2O or you just have a group of brothers and sisters in Christ that you do coffee with every week, you consistently choose community because that is a string in your life that when it is tuned, you are guarding your heart with the right things. Guard your heart with persistent prayer. Just persistent prayer, going to continually seek him out and continually offer those prayers. And the funny thing about persistent prayer, it's, an, it's a practice in humility. You know, I've been walking with the Lord for almost 25 years, been serving the church for 22, went to seminary, all that stuff. This past week, I was driving, for me, driving by myself, it was a great time to pray, and I was praying about a specific situation that was a burden in my life. And I was praying, I was getting frustrated because I, I could not articulate the prayers that I wanted to pray. I couldn't find the words and, and, I, was, and I actually got frustrated. I was like, goodness gracious, if anyone should be able to pray, it's me. <laughs> but after my pride dropped, you know what I began to pray? I just started, I prayed, Lord, teach me how to pray. It doesn't mean that I haven't done it. It doesn't mean that I, I, I don't know about it. I just said, Lord, I don't know what to pray right now. I'm, I'm, this is so overwhelming. I'm so anxious about this. It's got so much of my attention off of you. Just teach me how to pray. Teach me how to trust you with this situation. And so you pray and you pray it again. I drove around for like 15 minutes. People thought I was crazy. I'm just like, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. They're looking at me. I'm like, teach them how to pray too, right? <laughs> Persistent prayer, daily devotion. Daily devotion saying, I am going to take my day and there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you first off. I'm not going to find where I can fit you in. I'm going to give it to you and seek you. Devotion is building that relationship, sacrificial service. We guard our hearts with sacrificial service saying, you know what? I'm not just going to show up on a Sunday morning and receive week after week. I'm going to find a place in the local church and in my community to start pouring out that which God is filling me with. Sacrificial service, it's a string in our lives. And when it is tuned, we are guarding our hearts with it. Grateful generosity. Grateful generosity. The fact we understand everything we have is from the Lord. And when we start to cheerfully give back to him and his kingdom, you know what we're doing? We're guarding our hearts with grateful generosity. Actual affections. You know, here's, here's the problem for some of us. We, we strive for weekly worship and consistent community, and, and we, we try to do the persistent prayer, the daily devotion, sacrificial service, grateful generosity. We are doing all of those things, but they've just become a to-do list that we check every day. And we have lost the fact that affection should drive that, right? That affection should, should drive these things. My wife and I, praise God, married for 20 years, and, and, and there are certain things, listen, we, we talk all the time, right? You know, we got four kids and we got a home and we got bills and we got jobs. We have to talk about things or things will fall apart. And, and, for, a while, and for a while, I thought to myself, you know what? We, we need to make sure that we get some time just with us. And, and you know, people go, oh, a daily, uh, a weekly date night. I was like, I can't do a weekly date night. We got kids. We got, you know, maybe we could do it monthly. But, but you know what I decided? I told my wife, I said, we're going to do a weekly date night. We may go to dinner. We might go to the movies because we don't actually want to talk to each other. We, we might go for a walk in the neighborhood because that's what we can get. But the only reason why I decided we couldn't do a weekly date night is because I decided it wasn't worth it. 
The thing about my marriage is I want to put my actual affections behind it. I don't just want to do the things. I want to do the things because I love the person I'm doing them with. It's not simply saying, well, I read my Bible and I said my prayers and I gave my tithes. It is saying, God, you, you are all that I want. And then something crazy happens because God gives us gifts and passions. And so maybe you love music and you start to pursue music and you know you're doing that out of an overflow of the affection God has given you. Or you, you just love being outside and you go and you, you run for miles. You should get a CT scan, by the way. And you run for miles and you're just running like, God, thank you for the ability to run and thank you for creation or, or you're social and you go to these social outings and you say, God, thank you for the gift of community. But suddenly your actual affections, they're not just a church thing, they're a life thing. And you are giving God more of yourself and what's happening is you're guarding your heart because you're protecting it with the things of God. And even though maybe at one point in time your, your heart and your life were grossly out of tune, because God is gracious and faithful, he will do the work. You know what happened here? I played this thing and it sounded terrible. And you may have noticed Gabe snuck up on stage and he tuned it because I, I couldn't do it. And so he got up here and he turned these little knobs and he did his little, you know, music magic. Now, I, I strummed this for you. You know how bad it sounds, right? Sometimes it's what Satan does. We, we get our lives out of tune and people see it because that's what happens. You're not fooling anybody. Let me just say that. By the way, if I'm your friend on Facebook, you're not fooling your pastor when you invite him on Facebook and put all the nonsense on it. That's just for free. Anyways, I'm about to lose like a thousand friends today. Poof. <laughs> well, problem solved, right? But, but so we, we live our life and we kind of wild out and we do all this stuff. We lose sight of where we need to be headed. And then God starts to work on our hearts and we want to start to come back to him. We, we want to start to move back towards him. But we say, well, we can't do that. I can't move forward because people know how I lived and people know what I did. And if I start to show up to church, they're going to they're gonna think that I'm just putting on a show. They're going to be like, man, I, I know what he's up to. He, he can't, he can't, he can't fool me with trying to play church. I know what's going on, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter what your life look like when you let the Lord start to retune your heart by guarding it with the things of him. Even though you know how bad this guitar sounded, now you know that Give it up for Gabe. Listen, Yes, I can't deny the fact that the, the, the guitar sounded terrible 15 minutes ago. And you know that, but you can't deny the fact that now, sounds pretty good. I'm here all week. And if I kept playing long enough, eventually you would probably forget that it sounded so bad. And so we start to tune our hearts with the things that are of him. And as we do so, we know he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And before we know it, we play a little offense and all those things I mentioned start to shape and direct our heart, which directs our lives, which directs our time, which directs our relationships, which directs our finances. And before we know it, even though at one point in time we were so off base and off key, 
It, no one would have thought that we would be used by God. Before we know it, we are the melody that he is using to bring people to himself. And it's all connected to guarding our hearts from things and with things. And the reason why that's so important is point three, because of the potential of the heart. The priority above all else, the protection, guard your heart, the potential, because it is the source, or some translations, the wellspring of life. The reason why this is so important is because the heart is the source, the wellspring of life. There's a well-known theologian, Augustine, unless you went to seminary and you're pretentious, then his name is Augustine. Some of you got that. But Augustine, Augustine, he, he, he has this quote. And he says, the key to life change is not the acts of the will. It is the loves of the heart. You know, a lot of people in church today that know that their life is out of tune with the Lord, that know their heart is off key. And sometimes we, we make the mistake of thinking that the first step to fix it is to change the acts of the will. Listen, the acts of the will matter. What we do makes a difference. But when our life gets off key, when our heart loses its way, the great potential cannot be realized and actualized by just the acts of the will. It can't just be doing the right things because eventually doing the right things without the right motivation will wear you out. Life change is not primarily in the acts of the will. It is the loves of the heart and beloved. Disordered loves create disordered lives. And so our love for God starts to shift. So the corporate worship on the weekend, man, maybe community, absolutely not. I don't have time. I've been burned. People have hurt me. Ding, bing, bing. You've hurt people, right? That's how it works. We're people. We do it. And so I don't want to. I don't want to open up. I don't want to get serious. I, I can't serve. I, I can't be that faithful. I, I, they don't need me. They've got everybody they need. I can't. I can't be generous right now. I can barely pay my bills. I can't. I can't. I can't. And what's happening is the acts of the will will eventually get disordered when our love is disordered to begin with. The heart's loves must be prioritized and God must be first in the order of our affection and our love. And so what do we do to fix this? Three things, three things, I'm done. We, we, we practice connection with the Lord, right? We, we, we seek that connection. That, that's that weekly worship. That's that daily devotion I spoke of. We seek the connection. Now, listen to me. You know what's happened in the church today? A lot of us, we have begun to treat God like an app. The apps are great, right? Listen, it, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Training camp has started. Hallelujah. Football is back. There is football season and there's the other stuff, right? And so starting now, my ESPN app is going to get open several times a day. Like, what's going on? Training camp. Who got hurt? Oh, man, that player from the Texans got hurt. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, you know, and so <laughs> you got to pray for my sanctification, all right? But I'll pull up the app, and I'll read an article, and I'll see what's going on, and I'll watch a highlight. But when I'm done, you know what I do? Boop, close the app. When I want to get some more information, open the app. And many of us in the church, we've treated God like an app, right? When, hey, Sunday morning, let me open the God app. 
All right, uh, you know, morning, I'm going to do my quiet time in the morning. By, by the way, by the way, you know, again, nowhere in the Bible to say you have to do it in the morning. You could do it at the afternoon. You can do it during lunch. You can do it at night. But, you know, here's my, here's my you know, blocked time. Open the app for my quiet time. Open the app. I'm going to go to Wednesday night. Open the app. I'm, I'm going to you know, hang out with this friend who, who talks about God. And so we open and close, open and close. And, beloved, what I'm telling you is that connection with God is not about God being an app. It's about God being the operating system. Right, the operating system of your phone, it decides what your phone does. And so we don't, we don't wake up. Now listen, listen, some of us, we are actually having regular quiet times with the Lord. We're reading the Bible, we have time in prayer, and I'm not discouraging that, please hear me. But what's happened is we got kind of you know, antsy with our schedule and we say, okay, this is when I'm gonna do it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what I'm saying is we gotta start by saying, Lord, my day is yours. My day is yours, you tell me where it's going to be. Lord, my finances are yours, right? Hear me, there's a difference in the heart when a couple says, all right, honey, let's talk about next month, how much can we afford to give? And I don't want to discourage anyone from giving, but there's a big difference between saying, okay, how much can we afford to give, let's make, okay, God take, okay, and saying, Lord, it's yours, how much do you want us to live on? saying, Lord, this is yours, would you please teach me how I can now live on this? The time is yours, help me figure out how I order the rest of my day. God is an operating system or he's an app. One of those guards the heart above all else, it brings life to the fullest, and so let's practice connecting with God like he's not an app to open and close at our choosing, but the operating system directing our lives. Another, another great way to respond is to thank God, to thank him. Now listen, some of us, we're saying, you know what? I don't feel very thankful right now. <laughs> I don't even feel thankful with God right now. I, 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 my, my, my grandma got this diagnosis. My, I got laid off at work. My marriage is on the rocks. This is, I don't feel very thankful. Well, a few things. You maybe have heard me say before that feelings are not facts, but let me give you another statement. Feelings follow faith. Feelings follow faith. When a believer continues to be overrun by their feelings, it's probably because their faith is not strong enough to direct them. I get it. I don't always feel thankful. Thankfulness is a feeling. Thanksgiving is an action. And if we will practice thanksgiving, then we will begin to lead our hearts to feel thankful, I promise. And so go back to my incident this week, which confession didn't take advantage of when I was missing every on-ramp to 281. I wasn't, thank God. God, thank you for more time with my son in the car. God, thank you for the roads being worked on. They'll be so great. I didn't do that. I said, oh, I'm going to be late. And, there, you know, and, I, and I wasn't thankful at all. You know, I wasn't thankful because I didn't practice Thanksgiving. There's not, there's not a person here that doesn't have a problem, I know. Just like there's not a person here that doesn't have a reason to thank God for something. But then ultimately, ultimately, you can only connect with God and you can only thank God if you have the foundation of knowing God. Not knowing about him, not knowing someone who knows him, not having a family that knows everything about him. You can only Guard your heart from all 
the dangers that are out there. You can only find hope and healing from the inside out. You can only connect with God and thank him for his continual grace in your life if you have made a decision to know him personally. I'm not talking about religious activity, family legacy. I'm talking about a moment in your life where you have said, Jesus, I need you. I want to know you. I receive you. Because if you spend your life knowing a lot about God and never knowing Jesus, here's the unpopular truth. That life leads to death, not just in this life, but the next. You can't stand before God in heaven when you take your last breath and say, I know a lot about you, man. I knew people that knew you. Because the response from God will be, depart from me because I never knew you. There has to be a point in time where we recognize our brokenness and our sinfulness and we actually acknowledge that we can't do anything about it, that I can't say enough prayers, give enough offering, go to enough services. I can't do anything. I feel empty the more I try to fix it. And then we acknowledge that what we actually need is Jesus because he left heaven and came to earth and died on the cross and paid for sin and walked out of the grave in in victory three days later and says this, all who will believe on me will have salvation. Paul to the church at Rome, if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And so today my question in this room and online, have you believed in your heart and have you confessed with your mouth? Have you made the decision to know God personally, not know him about him, but know him relationally? It may be for some of us that we've given our life to Christ and today you're gonna want to receive prayer for a situation that you're dealing with, a health situation, financial, relational, and that time's gonna be available for you. It may be that you'll wanna come forward to this altar and you'll wanna just kind of pray and cry out to God. Maybe those of you online wanna send us some prayer requests. We will give you that opportunity to respond. But today, if there is someone who does not yet know Jesus, today that's your decision. It is the decision to know him in a real and personal way. And so I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And today, if you don't know where you stand with a holy God, if you don't know if you've made that decision to give yourself to Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation, then I'm gonna ask you to say a prayer with me. I say this every week, it's not a magic formula, please hear me. You don't need to say this week after week hoping it sticks. You you, you don't need to mindlessly recite some words that the pastor says hoping that they have magic abilities. What you need to do is you need to confess your need for a savior and that's what this prayer is. If today that's your decision, pray this prayer with me right where you are. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I need you. I know I'm hopeless without you, but I believe you made a way for me to be made whole. I believe you sent your son Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth. And I believe he lived without sin. I believe he died on the cross and I believe he paid for sin. And I believe three days later, he walked out of the grave in victory and he defeated sin and death. 
And so Jesus, today, I'm calling on your name and I'm trusting you with my life. I'm asking you to be my savior. Would you help me live for you every day of my life? And thank you for loving me first. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.